You're listening to Girls Gone Canon, covering his dark materials. Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, here with Season 3 His Dark Materials predictions ahead of San Diego Comic Con this weekend. I am one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Yes, that's right. San Diego Comic-Con, it's going to be, it seems like it's going to be lit this weekend. I feel, I think the nerds are ready, right? Especially 21 was such a mild year because 2020 didn't happen. Yeah. Uh, I went the peak year, right? The penultimate year before everything closed. I went 2019. Yeah. A different world back when the first trailer came out that weekend for His Dark Materials. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, it was very pure. I wasn't there when it came out, but I did, like, I, I was in the vicinity. I was in the area. You were close to I it. I was, I don't know, <laughs> I was doing other things. You were next to the trailer. But I still got to watch the trailer. I stopped, dropped, rolled to watch the trailer, and here we are. It's happening this weekend. I am 99.99999% sure we are getting a trailer this weekend at San Diego Comic-Con. I'm just saying. Probably. I I think we probably will. Um... Yeah, I don't know. I just am like, yeah, his dark materials is probably gonna drop something there, and then like, what George is attending San Diego Comic Con for the first time in a while, so. I know. I'm jealous. I'm. I'm so mad. I'm not going. Yeah, because I be usually here. go. Yeah. We will give you a spoiler warning up front. We will be talking about series three of his dark materials, the adaptation from the wonderful books written by Philip Pullman. The pretty much most accurate adaptation on BBC slash HBO to date. <laughs> and that's, I guess, until August, right? Uh, <laughs> when Hot D comes out. Who knows? Let, yeah. BBC won't be involved, but we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll be spoiling likely today Series 1, Series 2, the main trilogy of books, Amber Spyglass included in that. Very, very minor Secret Commonwealth spoilers, so I don't think that's too much of a trouble but we, we will be a little a little fluid because we're hanging this week. Uh, Eliana's in another world. I am in another world. I'm in the world where all of the Tuolapi are. You can hear them in the background, perhaps, squawking about, uh, wreaking havoc <laughs> you will. on our oh, podcast. All because of Daddy Gomez. Can you believe it? I know. Can you believe it? I know. I mean, they really, really do like Catholicism here. Uh, so... <laughs> We will be back to finish up His Dark Materials, The Amber Spyglass, with our special guest, Haley Bowery from The Manimals, uh, hopefully in August, because Eliana is stuck in another world without the subtle knife to cut her way through, uh, without an alethiometer to guide her through, and of course, without an amber spyglass to lift up, look at the sky, figure out where the fuck she is and what world she's in. You know, it's hopeless. It's hopeless for a few weeks. I, yeah, I... Hope's gone. I am hopeless. I, Diminished. <laughs> indeed, indeed. Well, that's true. That's that's very oh true. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about what happened, right? Where did we leave off at the end of season two, series two? It's more or less similar to the some of the beats in the book, but... Except for one part. Will Perry just watched his dad die, and it wasn't by a witch who was madly in love with his dad, so hashtag improvement. Yeah, and Lyra is in a box. What's in a box? <laughs> it's, Lyra. <laughs> it's Lyra. She's in a box. It's Lyra. With her mom on a Zeppelin. She's asleep and she's drugged and, you know, normal, normal stuff, right? And <laughs> is maybe seeing visions of Roger? In the post-credits Marvel scene, in her subconscious, <laughs> the best one to date, truly, truly. Lee Scoresby, dead as fuck. Yes, that's not going to stop anything. Again, we're all spoilers here. Witches, witches are not doing so hot. Asriel, he made a really great speech. That was a good speech. It was a good speech. That was good for it. James McAvoy got his 25 seconds of screen time, so good for him. I mean, he's going to get more, right? So I also great job on the rest of the production team, etc., for finding a way to keep that in and reuse that, so. Yeah. I love, I do love that scene. It gives me the, the, the chills. Yeah. 
you know, if you're just listening to this and haven't watched any of this for some reason, it's all right, whatever. I'm glad. But uh, that scene, you got to go watch it. And if you have seen it, you got to go watch that scene today. Again, after you listen to this, because he has that whole speech. He's all like, da da da, angels to me. You know, it's better when James McAvoy does it. I'm not as inspiring. Yeah. I do find James McAvoy inspiring. It's true. I don't know what he's, it's very hard because it's Asriel. And we all know my disdain for Asriel uh, and Asriel tangentially related things. But James McAvoy is like killer in that role. He has the swagger. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the point, right? We're supposed to find them a conflicting mm-hmm. figure, but yet be like, hmm, inspiring, inspiring. So, so I mean, great casting. Not that, you know, Daniel Craig wasn't good casting back then, but I mean, great casting on James McAvoy. Yeah. Well, we know what that movie feels like to us. Yeah. Lots of lots of opinions on that. Apples to oranges, apples to oranges. But they're both still fruit. <laughs> and they both still grow in the garden. Indeed. <laughs> Wait, do oranges any case? All right, never mind. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If I were Philip Pullman, I would just have him tell Will and Lyra that life's a garden and they should just dig it. <laughs> Oh, and yet, you know, interestingly, Philip Pullman, not a gardener, I think, in a, in a writing sense. I, well, actually, that's not true. He's a little of both. He's definitely talked about being like, I've discovered this thing about a character. Anyway. Yeah, he's a, a smaller scale of that, and he's much more orderly in some ways. I find, like, not, like, manicured, but there's something about his style and his organization in writing. I think it's just who he is yeah. as a person, too, you know? I mean, it works. That uh, half-organized, half-messy teacher kind of thing. Yeah, I like that. Uh, he is a teacher, isn't he? Okay. All right. All right. So. His Dark Materials Series 3. We're super lucky because a lot of people have been keeping updates going on what's going on with the series as it's gone through production. That said, it's been slim. Uh, we're going to talk about what we know and run off into some tangents on our opinions of what we think we're going to see. And I do want to say up front, thank you so much to some of our fans and friends around the fandom that are just kicking ass on some of this His Dark Materials information, like His Dark Material, Her Dark Materials, uh, Twitigaze, many other people that have kind of contributed to the HDM fandom and what's been going on with pre-production and different interviews like BFI, you know, TV Fest, Paley Fest. All these different places that we're seeing these people speak and give little leaks. Like the webinars I drag Aliana to sometimes. Waiting for the next one. Come on, Phil. He's busy writing. But thank you. Thanks, guys. We are going to talk about some of the awesome things we've learned. And it looks like he's making progress. So very exciting. And yes, thank you to... um, Yeah, I mean, it's been awesome to see the Historic Materials community really like grow and expand and everything that folks are doing like thank you so much for as you said keeping up with all of this um i'm not someone who always looks for production spoilers because i like to i like to go on the journey but we're going to talk a little bit about what folks have heard today so we've talked about already like how we expect to see maybe a first teaser trailer at comic-con this weekend we've seen like a couple like little scenes dropped around right in like subscribe to hbo sorts of sizzler reels around the internet but but yeah i i think uh especially in looking at i don't know some of the i was kind of checking out when the previous trailers came out because season one was at san diego comic-con it was in what 2019 and we got i think it was like a two minute 50 second trailer and that's a long trailer for, for your very first piece of content you're showing as a long-form video, that's a long trailer. And I was watching what was in it, and I think about half to 75% of it was probably the first half of the season. Nothing too much later. And then there was maybe like quick 25% of blips, fast, 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 of the content from the end. And knowing what we know that this is kind of the book, capital THE book, um, that's going to be crazy when we get our first couple-minute glimpse yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because they're not going to want to give too much away, right? Like, they really did end on quite a few spoilers. 
but they also want to give enough, right? You want to balance and show, hey, we are trying to honor what's in the book. And there are some big changes, which we'll go into in a, into a bit. Uh, some of the things that I expect that we're going to see in the trailers will pick up from where the last season left off, right? Like I imagine now we're probably going to see some angels in the trailer because they did make that reveal right at the end. So they can at least include that in some of those teasers. And I'm curious if they're going to explicitly show Baruch and Balthamos in the trailer itself. We've already got the announcement of their casting, but they might be like, hey, we've got some more corporeal looking, even though we know they're not corporeal. That's the whole point about angels in the His Dark Material series. But, you know, actually... <laughs> the great irony of them being on screen. Right, right. So um, I wonder how they're going to depict that. I would love for them to do that really translucent, like really go all in in the trailer. I would love for them to. They might do that. You know, trailers, sometimes they like edit things, right? That end up actually being there in the actual series. I know that Game of Thrones did that. Um, I also wonder if they're going to have Shoparuk and Balthamos. Will they have them be explicitly in love in the trailer, right? I think it'd be a really great statement during these times. I think that the world has come really, really far on representation, especially since the time that these books come have come out um, on ski on screen gay romance isn't always depicted in advertisements in mainstream media. And of course we know Philip Pullman, right? Is he's very outspoken about social issues and politics. And I mean, this was pretty groundbreaking for a quote unquote children's book, right? I know that he feels that his dark materials toes up mind of children's book versus not, but this was a groundbreaking thing to depict and something marketed towards children when it came out. Yeah, and I have a couple things to say to that. I mean, first, I, I we will see them, and I think we'll see them in the trailer because we know, you know, that angels are coming. We already saw them in that last 30, you know, three-minute speech from Asriel and that kind of overlay. We see them appear. We know they exist. That's the easiest thing to take up some of the trailer space without spoiling a lot. We know that there are going to be angels, right? So especially because we've had a handful of angels also cast, recast. Uh, for example, we have Zephania. Chipo Chung is playing Zephania now. So I think that they will definitely get some screen time. Uh, I also think, I'm not sure if maybe the first trailer, though I think they should show their romance. I think they're definitely going to lean into it because... Not that Philip Pullman didn't lean into it at all. I mean, he did. And like you said, for its time especially, it was kind of really towing the line for what was acceptable in literature, especially for something aimed towards children. That said, I think they are going to do... I mean, we've seen some of the ways they've improved on some of the things we didn't already really love. I think they are going to really do that justice, um, especially with BBC behind it. I feel like BBC and HBO have such creative freedom with the works they're putting out, and I've definitely seen a lot of brazen stuff from HBO production lately. I'm sure they have the green light to, you know, have a great portrayal of a gay romance on screen. I don't know if it'll be in the first one, right? We might see both of them. We might see them holding hands or being together or being close, but I don't know if they'll show, like, what would they show their, them, you know, parting? In the first, I think they're going to have to, as you said, right, played up more because you really need that emotional impact from how Balthavos is affected and yeah I think as you said right they'll probably be in the first episode and thus can probably be in the trailer right be like these are some of the new characters that you can anticipate meeting this season um, and yeah They did have, uh, they had actual art. They had their artwork done for it for what that scene was supposed to portray with them at the end of the season, and they ended up cutting it, which we did talk about in our yeah, Patreon yeah. episode on the cut episode. So they were in artwork, ready to go. They were, you know, kind of ready to get on the screen, and they said, no, nope. they filmed it, everything. They said, no, they cut it because it just wasn't. It wasn't a great way to end it, which I agree with, you know. Hey, by the way, I'm an angel. Sucks about your dad. Want to come with me, kid? Yeah. Maybe we'll see also in the trailer. They, they love 
everyone loves including action scenes, right? In trailers, maybe we'll see something mm-hmm. of like the chases, right? With the angels and their fighting. So yeah, that would be great. Even if like you get to see the angels up close and then you actually get to see them through the sky, like a glimmer, it would be cool to see those differences. And it's really important to show Balthamos and Baruch because their romance and the fact that they are strong for one another even when they're not together or that one of them breaks when they can't be together and feels broken about it and like has to redeem themselves isn't too different from how our main character feels at the start of the Secret Commonwealth, right? And it's not too different from Will and Lyra's romance. It's one of the romances that's supposed to complement what they have to choose to do to save the worlds at the end of the book. And it's also got that great contrast with Serafina and Farder Coram in the background. Um, these faded loves that can't be together and they choose to do so for the betterment of each other and for the worlds. It's, uh, it's rough. It's sad. And I think you have to kind of really underscore that romance to bring the entire story home. Yeah, absolutely. And that makes me wonder if they're going to revisit any of the Serafina Coram previous romance, right? Serafina talking about it maybe a little bit more. We heard a lot about it from Carter Coram's perspective in the first season. We might, we might not, but I'm just wondering if they'll bring it back in order to, as you said, punctuate uh, that that gut punch we're going to get at the end of the season, at the end of the that story. That horrible, yeah. sad. It's like, even if you don't hit all these notes, you're still telling such a sad fucking story. Yeah. You don't have to do Balthamos and Baruch, but to tell a great story, you do. But if you don't, it's just real sad anyway. Either way, I'm just going to be sad no matter what they do, but I think they're going to lean into it. Yeah. And so let's talk about something that we know is not in this story. This is painful. I don't even want to talk about it. It hurts me. It hurts them, too. Listen to the background, Eliana. They're mad, too. I know. They are. I hear that. I'm coming to you live from live from the Tuolapi. Here to get quotes. No Dua Lipas. <laughs> you guys, there are no Dua Lipas in Season 3. No Tuolapis are coming to Season 3. This is this is where some things are going to get crazy in this episode. So there are no Tuolapi, which I don't know how to... I, I guess it, if I have to complain, like, please make sure the harpies are there, right? Like, yeah. if you're cutting the Tuolapis, maybe you're just like, this is too much bird action. Oh my god, poor our friend Cassidy. Poor Cassidy. They're really doing this to Cassidy. This is hurtful. Uh, cutting all the birds. We know Cassidy loves birds. Very orny. How dare they? They're cutting... They're cutting the tulapi. That really bums me out because I feel like the point is that the tulapi and the mulefa are are between, you know, they're being pushed on either side by something else, another force of evil. Yes, absolutely. And I mean, I guess I can understand like that the tulapi didn't seem like they were a huge role in the books, but they're there as part of like a representative, you know, a metaphor, right, for the the authority and forces that are looking to destroy progress and human thought. So I don't know. I guess they can do it without it, but then it seems like to me more heavy-handed if it's only the magisterium right and father gomez doing doing it but i mean we haven't seen it we'll see how the adaptation goes but i mean you can cut out the tuolapi it's a deeper message with them it is definitely a much deeper message with the tuolapi showing like this is why we think they're assholes they are kind of assholes but they're also like being pushed into being major assholes they just want land and food and resources But, like, you can cut them. You can still have Father Gomez hunting the Mulefa instead, I guess. It's fine. That and hunting Mary, I think, is going to be enough of a plot to keep us busy. Now, that said, I do expect that it was also... It probably was cut because of the harpies, too. Because I think that is just a little too much. Well, we have this bird plot and this bird plot. Um, I mean, it's going to be... Oh, God. Gomez is going to kill a Mulefa. Probably. Not to a... He's going to kill a fucking Mulefa. That Father Gomez is going to kill a Mulefa on my screen. I think so. What the fuck, BBC? I do think so. What the fu- and that's a hate crime to me, like Kind of. That's 
That's the Mulefa. Yeah, you can't just go killing Mulefa, dude. They're very important. Like, literally akin to when Jack and Rose are on the Titanic, and she's all like, oh my god, and he's like, I'm king of the ocean. That's Will and Lyra when they understand the freedom and the world that exists for the Mulefa that they've built for themselves and how beautiful it is as they race through the plains with them. Like, that's... You lost me there for a second, but then <sighs> you, gonna kill you him brought it back. Him. I was like, how did you get to the Titanic? I pulled you back in. <laughs> you did, you did. If you just stay on the ride with me, everyone, <laughs> you get there eventually. <laughs> oh. I'm having a very uh, spaced ADHD week, so I apologize. Some of the metaphors, you might just have to buckle up today, guys. I mean, that is, uh, sorry, I'm going to come back to the romance. That is the romance, right? Near, far, wherever you are, I believe that the heart does, that the heart does go, go on. on. Yeah. Shut the fuck up. What's wrong with you? We aren't even there yet. Can you focus up? Okay, so you brought in Titanic. on that same... And now you... This is not my fault. Um, I brought Celine into Being harassed. Uh, Mulefas also have some changes coming, and I am interested. So, historic material talked about this from their time at TV Fest. There were a couple interviews that happened that broke. And they said, this is a, a tweet quote, time for us to blow our promised TV Fest trumpet. It was revealed by His Dark Materials series VFX supervisor Russell Dodgson that on screen the Mulefa will not look as they do in the book as they just look too awkward, which sidebar, in my head I was like, but like, there really aren't picture pictures. So like, aren't we all just imagining something? Anyways, isn't this an adaptation? Anyways, further to the change in visualization, uh, they can confirm the VFX team are still working to perfect the look. So this is within the last month. The final design will make perfect sense on screen later this year. This tweet, I think might be coded. I'm not sure. They said, His Dark Materials Season 3 team even tried testing the motion for the magnificent menagerie involved. What does it mean? By tethering ears and trunks to old bicycle frames. That's nuts. It proved too tricky to manifest. Hmm? Any real grace and beauty. They understand some will be disappointed, but are working on making something visually arresting and keeps to the concept, but works on screen. Truly, this could be a his dark materials win for all. What does it mean? I don't know what it means. What does it mean? Maybe we should DM them. We could. I forgot. We can actually just ask people things sometimes. Sometimes the internet really just really does that for all of us like the time that i asked what come in what do you think about the movie cats <sighs> that might be something smart i how do you feel about this i'm not upset upset you know i think as long as there's a wheel as long as it's somewhat animalistic i i see it in my head right i've seen some fan art that i really like but i've seen it in my head so i don't know that i'm going to be disappointed because it's not a real tangible thing i've seen yeah, I've seen like art that definitely does not look the way that I thought the Malefa would look in my head, but does make sense, right? It sticks exactly to what we're seeing in the books. I I don't know what to expect. I really don't. Um, I understand what they've said, right? Like that. I mean, it seems difficult to produce, right? That's that's obviously like one of the strengths of books is that i mean you don't need you don't need a budget you just need like the reader's imagination and people can force that and make that work in their head right that's a spectrum of disbelief you've got um a much harder like hill when you're working with visuals so i am curious i could hate it but i could also be like this is fine and this is great it's kind of like pizza. Like, at the end of the day, you still had pizza, right? Like, you still had mulefa. But there's some it's really bad pizza feel. out there. Yeah, that's true. Like, barbecue chicken. Fight me. And... <laughs> oh, we're out here. <laughs> I said what I said. Chloe and I Fighting actually, words. Yeah, I'd, rather have, I'd rather have pineapple, chick- pineapple pizza alone Same. than barbecue Same. chicken. Same. Because I have taste. Because I have fucking taste. I'm not a classless rube. Uh. <laughs> exactly chloe and i uh stand on the exactly we i mean we, we feel the same right you're both like ah, 
we're a huge chicken's meh, but anyway, we love pineapple on pizza. Come on our podcast and fight us about our pizza taste. It could be bad. Yeah, we're weird. It, it could be bad, though. Like, I love Mulefa on pizza. Wait a second. That's Father Gomez. Um, I love Mulefa, as, as stated today. I don't know. I don't think I'll be upset about it. That's something I guess I never really thought about. And they've done such a good job with some of the other creatures. Like, even the little, even the cutie pie, what are they called? Cliff ghasts. Even those guys are kind of cute. Cliff ghasts. And their little, their little weird nylon sock outfits that they wear. I love them when they climb over the little mountain in season two. Um, and we have a lot of things to put our budget towards, right? You have this, you have harpies, you have ghosts, lots of ghosts uh, and angels. So, yeah, there you go. And the Galavespians. This is a lot to see how it turns out. I- I'm curious how Galavespians will turn out, you know, if it'll look weird or uncanny or if it'll work out. I- I've seen, we've seen Ella Enchanted against your will. And it worked out enough. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, CGI has come a long way since then, right? And I think the one thing that I am worried about the Gamalefa is that I, I, I really don't know how they're doing it, right? Is it, are they doing puppets? Are they not? Like, are they, what, what, where are they going to take, right? Obviously, we also have demons, right? So, I just think it's important that they not look too uh, bipedal. They not look too much like homo sapiens, right? In terms of uh, that version of humanity. Because we've already got those alternate versions of humanity to an extent with like Galavespians who look very much like homo sapiens, but in miniature. And the point that the books are stressing, which is that something can be human, right? but not look like us, that sort of sentience. Yeah, I mean, to me, I definitely see them looking more, more like, and maybe the M's are supposed to be like cow sounds. Maybe that's what it's supposed to be, like, I don't know. Are are they elephant noises, uh, you know? Well, that's what I was wondering. Because, like, to me, they just, like, look like slightly alien elephant cows with wheels in my head is that weird that's just what i see is like they just have these crazy wheels and they kind of hunch over like them yeah i don't know yeah i guess i've just never thought about it as deeply as i am today i mean yeah that's kind of what Uh, i think of it's funny because you mentioned you know that you've never you can always imagine your head and like that's the one luxury of books that when you read the book, you didn't have to worry about the CGI, see it on screen, you could just use your imagination. But I actually watched series five, six, seven, eight of Game of Thrones, and I used my imagination a lot during that time, Eliana. So I would just like to strike from the record what you said. That's all. As we were. (sighs) Russell Dodgson said... uh, he said it's really tricky. He said, if you ever want to get stitched up, read the description of them and go, cool, let's have a go. At one point, one of our puppeteering team turned up with a Mulefa puppet head on the end of a bike and went, what do you reckon? And I was like, it's a cool idea, but someone's going to die. So we didn't do that. But it's going fine. It's a cool challenge. We'll disappoint some people and make some other people really happy, I guess. <laughs> someone's going to die. I want to know. <laughs> I want to know. I really hope that actually comes out in some of the production. I want video of someone trying to do whatever the puppet head Malefa on a bike looked like. I need to know now. And I mean, they could, as long as, like I said, they do something that doesn't look like Homo sapiens. There's a a way that this one other movie adaptation, not movie, actually technically it is an adaptation of the book, got around this that I think would work well. I'm not saying that this is exactly what historic material should do because it's a completely different thing, but Xenon, girl of the 21st century, but this part actually happens in Xenon, the sequel, both of uh, which are Disney Channel original movies and are sort of first contact stories, right? About aliens. And... The second one especially focuses on aliens with the zoom, zoom, zoom. The, the aliens love protozoa, Earth pop star. <laughs> and 
what they did was they had the aliens kind of look like these waves of light. And, you know, they were, they were intelligent, right? Life and obviously more advanced than us because they made it all the way across the universe. Right. But they had these like waves of light. And that was, I think, a really great way to show that life doesn't always have to look the way that you expect it to. That's true. And I think there's a lot of trickery that's going to have to. And this is really something they do a lot of really practical stuff, uh, especially with the puppeting. You know, it leads to a lot more practical effects than they, they do a lot of VFX and CGI. But there's a lot of practicality in the stuff they do make. And they use a lot of kind of, I don't know, older, but smart, clever tricks once in a while. So like you have to have the ghosts and the angels somewhat different, but also they're kind of similar looking, right? In the fact that they're translucent, pearly looking almost, Mm -hmm. uh, but they still have to have some sort of form that the audience can see with their eyes. So trickery of light and trickery, I mean, especially of lighting, Right. We have a lot of really dark scenes. Uh, the entire scene over at Azriel's Citadel, right, in the battle outside of there. I think that's going to be a little darker of a scene, but they'll probably brighten yeah. it just a little bit. But I mean, it's a storm. You know, there's lightning cracking across the sky. There's so much you can do there with lighting to hide certain things and to make some graphics, you know, look better from afar or look better from trickery of light that I think with the Mulefa, they'll find a happy medium. Yeah. And it sounds like they are at least trying to maintain the part where the Malefa are in tune, right, with the environment and and are rolling about. They're just gonna we're just gonna have to all roll with it, you know, whatever they put out there. Oh my god. Rolling, 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 rolling. So speaking of dark scenes. Let's talk about another dark aspect emotionally of the series. Mrs. Coulter. Yeah. Well, before we get too dark, I will say, Ruth Wilson did give us one gift, which was she kind of slipped when the date of the season is coming, that we'll see more Asriel, Marisa, Coulter, and Lyra in November. So kudos before we get dark. Thank you, Ruth, for that little slip. Yeah, indeed, indeed. I mean, things could get pushed, but probably not. Sounds like, I mean, if we're anticipating a July trailer, November makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, again, that's, uh, as I kind of mentioned, that's what happened last time. It's literally this week, and it airs November. That is kind of what's happened in the past. And with COVID and also with, you know, the last season of the book, it kind of also makes sense to me if they wanted to push it. I wasn't sure, but I think in order to make kind of the, the season, right? If you air it in November, then you finish, what, you got eight episodes? Six. I don't know. If it's going to air in November, that goes to the new year. A lot of places, though, don't air episodes on big holidays, right? Like like Christmas Etc. So just February? because of viewers, yeah, they want to get they want to get those views, get that you know ratings, etc. I know I'm all about the dates. Yeah, series one aired in November, and then it actually finished. Oh, betrayal, twenty third of December, twenty nineteen. So it just finished in time, and mm. series two aired November eighth mm. and finished up. December 28th. So I think we're actually going to look at it finishing probably New Year's week. Okay, so we can just go into 2023 with even more depression. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. New Year, same us. New Year, same us. (laughs) That's fine. Uh, But yeah, so some of the things that we've already been seeing the show do is Mrs. Coulter was already like a big focus of the books, but really expanding and digging into her psyche even more. And it seems that's something we can anticipate in season three as well. Yeah. According to an interview at TV fest, they're expanding so much more on her mother's relationship with her, uh, which makes, I mean, this is really exciting. I think it makes a lot of sense. It, 
you know, book of dust spoilers for a hot second, especially the secret commonwealth. But we meet some of Marisa's extended and closer family, right, in the secret commonwealth. And we actually hear about her mother very vaguely. I really love what was said at TV Fest because it really gives a potential to spin it off. And I don't know if I'm a huge fan of the idea of like, let's do a secret commonwealth movie. But at the same time, I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Or a show. Let's do it. Why not? Why not? I'm just, you know, let's let him put out the last book of dust first. Let's get a complete, let's get that trilogy going. So Ruth Wilson said that she gets sent outfits that are her mother's, right? They're sent to Mrs. Coulter. So in her head, Ruth says that Coulter is linked up. Coulter's mother is linked up to the magisterium, to the church, and she very much represents, you know, that rules and patriarchy. So Mrs. Coulter was always kind of a disappointment to her in that way. Uh, and even the costume designer, Carolyn McCall, says that her mother seems to be meant to be incredibly religious. Uh, so there's this whole facade of appearance that comes from her mother and a moment where the outfit is kind of meant to encompass a lot of what we've seen with Marisa and her relationship before. I think that is fascinating. That is going to be such a good mirror to season one, too, when she dresses Lyra, right? She's going to have these awful flashbacks of her mother's clothing and the way her mom wanted her to do things when that was her in series one. Yeah, that's that's such a great point. And yeah, I wonder if her mother will be shown on screen or if it's like more of these little hints, right, of, of Marisa talking about it and... You know, my interpretation of this line is like she's getting outfits that were Marisa's getting outfits that were her mother's like sent to her on screen as opposed to um, Ruth Wilson sort of mulling over them. I kind of feel like this is going to sound ridiculous. I feel like looking at Mrs. Coulter and her mother's relationship and then Mrs. Coulter's relationship to Lyra. And I'm thinking of Selena Meyer and Catherine. And oh, it's Lyra's literally that. It's literally Lyra, Lyra, honey. Why is that your hair? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a good thing you weren't raised by a total narcissist, Lyra. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's literally that. Uh, but I, yes, I love this, it is yeah. quite literally that. I love this idea of them kind of digging into that generational trauma thing because I mean, you know, there's there's something there about like this idea of original sin and how it passes down that I think could sort of be punctuated, right? That could sort of be strengthened by. Uh, digging into how this has gotten passed down through the women of Lyra's family. And yeah. There's something interesting too about the manner of how she might get that clothing, right? Mm -hmm. Like why is the mad, did the magisterium get a box of her things or find a box of her things and send it to her? Also, wait, no, if the magisterium sending things to her, does she go to her mother's home or her yeah. childhood home? Maybe is that a scene that's being written? I'm wondering that, but... And if that's so, like, does that mean we're getting Book of Dust 3 things, maybe? Or something similar? But when does that happen, right? Because she doesn't... She doesn't... The Magisterium is what I'm thinking. She's on the run from them. Or is it when she's there at the Magisterium? Because, like, there's no time for her to go back home based on what we know happens in the books, right? She's in the mountains, and then, and then she gets kept... She goes with, like, Asriel, and then she escapes, but they plan for her to escape. So it would be, like, this weird manipulation tactic that's happening when she's uh, talking to Lyra's real dad in real life. <laughs> I think maybe it's the manipulation. Yeah. Uh, right? When she tells them, I can go, I can do this, um... When she manipulates them to, to leave them to go bring Asriel, I think maybe it's then. Maybe they give her a box or mother's things or something. That's very interesting. Because I have been wondering, what kind of made-up things do you think we're going to see, you know, not quite in the original trilogy? What little scenes we might see? And sometimes they give some really clever stuff you don't see coming. But now we know. Now they're not so clever because she gave that one away. <laughs> what if... This is just... This is a ridiculous idea that I have. What if it's like... The clothes are delivered in a box that looks just like the box that Lyra is currently inside of. Lyra's in. 
I'm done. <laughs> what if there's a total switcheroo heist, right? Like somebody takes the Lyra box on accident instead of the clothing box, and then she has to go get her bag. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, they, they do a really smart, great stuff at wardrobe of historic materials. Like I love, you know, again, like those little subtle details that they have in terms of how any of them are styled, whether that's Lyra, whether that's Will, you know, also uh, John Perry, right? I, I mean, they've, they've done some really great stuff, not just with Mrs. Coulter's outfits and using that for characterization and tying in just little Easter eggs, like with the story's themes, etc. So, what about what? How are we going to see Little Pan in this trailer, Eliana? Are we going to see Pan? Are we going to see Little Pan? We're going to see. Lil and what, Pan. what's Pan going to look like? I don't know. I don't know. I imagine we're going to see a bit of Pan looking a little like how Pan looked in the first and the second seasons, because then we know that that's Pan, unless they have uh, Pan talking. So we'll see a little bit of that. I kind of wonder. This is a weird thought that I had of like, would Pan maybe take on somewhat more cat-like forms throughout the season, kind of mirroring uh, Lyra and Will's relationship? Oh, yeah. So like, yeah, which I mean, that is what happens at the end of the book that we're getting to. And it's horribly sad and beautiful at the same time. Because um, Will's a cat. so sweet. Like, you know, your yeah. first love mirroring the cat. That's such a mood. Uh, oh. oh, I bet we'll see Pan as a cat. Now, here's an interesting thought, though. How much of Lyra are we going to see in the trailer? And I ask this as somebody who, again, unfortunately saw, you know, season five, six, seven, eight of Game of Thrones and Jon Snow being dead with A, the worst kept secret in the whole world, right? But B, even though it was only for like three, four episodes, they kept that bitch dead in the trailers. So I, I know we know Lyra's not dead and we know she's going to come back and anyone probably can guess that she's going to come back because she's the fucking main character of the story. But that said, if she's going to be asleep for at least one to two episodes, maybe, is it spoilers to show her? And with that said, will they format the trailer around her being asleep? Will it be punctuated by moments of Lyra's subconscious of her dreaming of Roger and seeing shit? Will, will it even be a lens that we see some of the trailer through? I don't know. I mean, they might show like some things that we could infer or assume her from her dream state. But I mean, if she's asleep, presumably she wakes up at some point. So maybe that's not that much of a spoiler. I think that if they show her awake, perhaps it'll be scenes with her and Mrs. Coulter. Because that's not, that's not giving too much away. I mean, she's asleep within the care of Mrs. Care of Mrs. Coulter, right? So for there to be some <laughs> scenes between them when she's awake would not be out of the realm of possibility. Mm -hmm. I do think we'll see Ama, right? We'll, we'll likely see her asleep in the cave and we will see Ama. I think that's a big one um, with her demon. Yeah. And I imagine that might be some of what we see of Coulter in the trailer, showing her there in the mountains and maybe with the magisterium and maybe even a shot of her looking frazzled at Asriel's uh, kingdom, maybe as the war erupts around them or at the bomb scene, like, but not showing the bomb. I think we might see a flash of the bomb scene or flashes of the bomb scene because that is like some really epic tension and action. I mean, that's going to be, that's good. We already have seen scenes like in season two, where they drop all those bombs on the witches and that leading up to the bombs being dropped on their lands was so tense and really well done. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of that in the trailer, quick flashes of magisterium and war. Yeah. Yeah. I, I kind of also, now that you're talking about the war, that was like the big thing, right? That was the big tying thing together for the season two trailers. I wonder what the messaging is going to be for season three. Is it going to be about wars? Is it going to be, probably, it's probably going to be about the fate again, resting on these two kids. Because they kept talking yes, about you know, the that great is war. kind of the whole story. Yeah, I mean, yeah. The yeah. great war. But what's the marketing? Well, and there is that little bit of like the HBO, you know, series one at the very 
the part when they all join up after the Yorick episode with Lee and they're walking and there's like the Daenerys boat music in the background. It's like victorious Game of Thrones HBO music as they all walk in a line up a huge hill as we zoom out to look at it on the landscape. It's true. So there is like a little bit of repetitive like, ah, we're fighting for the Great War and we're all building up to the big battle. You know, like Twilight, the last Twilight movie. It did not you know, watch And they're going to cut Will's head off in front of all of us. Oh my God, oh, it's really good. What? There's this moment, dude, okay, there's a moment, spoilers, Twilight movies. Woman of all ages, I have never seen them freak out so hard as I did when I saw Twilight, the very final Twilight movie, Breaking Dawn Part 2 in theaters, because there's this big moment where they're fighting the big great war, and they're fighting the big bad vampires, and it's so comedic because suddenly, this is a huge twist that does not happen in the books, the big bad vampires win. And they kill everyone. They like slaughter what? half the army, in front. and it's it's literally like Final Destination, like gore. Like I'm not kidding. Like they just start killing people off, like decapitate the dad of the Cullens, all this shit. And like every girl in the audience was like, "Oh my god!" You know, like it's a what the hell are they doing? Everyone was like, "What? No, that doesn't happen in the books." And then it's just like a vision. And it was just like a threat or a vision oh. of what could have happened. But it is oh. the funniest editing choice. Like, it is, you know that shit was intentional. So that's why I was like, what are they going to do? Like, cut Will's head off and then tell us it was a farce. I mean, they How might. could they really? They might do something like that, for sure. They won't do that. I don't know. They, they... More like they're cutting my heart out. What could they do? I'm trying to think. What could they do? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway. I think they'll stay mostly canon, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. I just, I want to know, like, because season two, right, the marketing was the Great War. Are they going to just do even more war? The war is here. The war is here now. Uh, I don't know. Obviously, like, and season guess, two is about um, worlds colliding, right? Like, different worlds now that that was open. Mm-hmm. But now it's all open in season three. So it's more just, like, continuing of, like, the fate of all the worlds. I could see them really you know, kind of hinting, shadowing the big war, but also I could see them really focusing on the bomb since it'll happen a few episodes, a couple episodes before that at least. And with that in mind, I think it could also tie in nicely to tie together Marisa Cave scenes and have them be like, we're looking for the girl, the prophesied girl and the boy. We must find them, you know, or like something to tie it together and show the flashes of Coulter keeping her drugged asleep in the cave. Uh, I could see them pulling that together. I think we're also, one of my big thoughts is I think we're going to see the Land of the Dead. Um, In the I don't trailer. think we're going to know what, I don't think they're going to show like what it takes to get there. Mm-hmm. But I think we might see a shot of like all the ghosts. And I think that would mirror very well the angels, right? Especially mm-hmm. when you have Baruch and Balthamos's plot where they feel half ghosts without one another, right? They they are translucent and fading and in pain and dying half the, half the story. But yeah. <laughs> sad. So sad. But you know, like, they are ghosts themselves in that, not just angels, as they tell Will, like, we're weak. We live a half-life. That is the parallel between letting all the ghosts out and letting them escape and Baruch and Balthamos giving themselves to this war so other people can kind of experience the love they were able to find that changed their lives, their angel lives so much. So, I don't know, I think we'll see at least, like, the hills of ghosts. No, like, understanding of why, but we'll probably see them. Yeah. You can show them as a part of the action without telling I think so. I think you're right that we could definitely see them. I mean, we do see the land of the dead in one of the book covers of the Amber Spy Glass. You don't really know what it is. You're just like, wow, Will and I are surrounded by like a shit ton of people, right? So why not? Why not have it in the trailer? That's what I kind of think too. That's a great point about the cover. I think, I mean, it's easy to tell without telling you know, or show without telling. You can kind of show some stuff and not exactly clarify what it is. And it's still a surprise and it's still exciting. I mean, no one's going to see it coming that they're going to have to give like their fucking soul, their arm, their leg just to go. And it's going to be horrible and painful. And you guys are going to be shaking, crying, throwing up at home. No one's going to know that if they haven't read the book is what I'm saying. If you've read the book, you know what's coming. Yeah. And you know what you're about to watch. Yeah. So for book readers, like, you know, spoiled people like ourselves who have read it, I think it's exciting and I don't think it spoils anything. And for people who haven't read it, like you said, it's on the cover. It's not like a spoiler spoiler. It's just, you know, they might not know what it is or what it means. It's just vibes, aesthetic. 
crowds. It's vibes. It's, you know, COVID. Lyra's goth phase. We're entering it. Yeah. We're entering the goth era. Are, are we? I thought that was secret comedy. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe she's more pastel goth at the end of this, you know? Mm-hmm. And then she, like, transforms into goth. Gen Z, you know? Goth in college. Gen Z. It's hard to keep track with them. Lyra gets a bucket hat at the end. <laughs> Actually, I do uh, want to see. Isn't Lyra, like, she's like a millennial, like us. No, she's well, Lyra from the original, sure. Yeah. But this Lyra, definitely not. Um, she does like hats. I have There's a question time about this timeline, Philip. Hey, so we do have a list of some of the folks who are, you know, the confirmed cast. Right. Obviously, what does not change is Daphne Keene is still Lyra Balacqua. Lyra Silvertongue, if you will. <laughs> Amir Wilson is still Will, will Perry. Ruth Wilson, not related, is still Marisa Coulter. Will Keen, indeed related, is still Cardinal Hugh McPhail. And James McAvoy is Lord Azrael Balacqua. No, I'm, I'm, you go. (laughs) (sighs) Oh, Eliana. Oh, Eliana. Yes, and we still have Ruta Gamintas as Serafina Pecola, Jada Nuka as Ruta Scotti, Simone Kirby as Dr. Mary Malone, and then we have a few newcomers, right? Adewale Akanoye Abaje. He is playing a gunway, commander at gunway. Commander. So hopefully he is still king, commander at gunway. He's king Maybe commander he's like, of my heart. He's like Princess Leia, who's also a general, you know? Yeah, exactly. General Leia Organa. Jamie Ward is playing Daddy Gomez. Lewin Lloyd is back as Roger. Kabna Holbrook-Smith is Balthamo. Simon Harrison is Baruch. Amber Fitzgerald Wolfe will be playing Ama. And then, of course, some other some other folks that we haven't quite seen. We have Chipo Chung as Zafania. Sean Clifford as Agent Slamakia. Jonathan Aris as Commander Roke. And then reprising, we have Kit Connor as the voice of Pam, David Sushit as the voice of Kaisa, Joe Tanberg as Yorick Burdison. Yorick's coming back this season. We have Sophie Teresu as the voice of Sergi, and Lindsay Duncan as the voice of Octavia, and Alex Hassel as Metatron. Very excited about that one. Very excited uh, for the daddy of all Metatron. I'm so excited. I don't even know what he's going to look like. I imagine I like know. mechanical. I don't know why, but like, I feel like he's going to look like an angel, but also like more metal, maybe literal metal, maybe only metaphorically metal, but like just more like hardcore. I don't know. I don't know. Something about it. Maybe you'll see Metatron's cube, right? That we talked about. Like, maybe he's got like lines across his body or something. Mm, oh my god, what if he has some metal tattoos of it? Maybe. I don't know what to expect. You know, like, of the actual cube. That would be sick. What if he has, like, angel tats that light up with with the, the light, you know? Yeah. The light of the angels that are in the, the cube on his chest. Like evil egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, my mom, um, my mom has Archangel Michael across you know Led zeppelin archangel basically is really what she got it for she likes to say it's her christian tattoo to people but i know she got the Led zeppelin angel from <laughs> the album across mom. her ribs oh my god. across her ribs eight by ten. Oh my god i did not know that it is yeah you'll probably mom. never see it don't tell her i told you all she's wild she's metal and i'm like that's it that's metatron you have metatron on your stomach mom <gasps> Oh my god! That's what I expect Metatron to have. He's gonna be inked up. I mean, inked that's up. what that's what Maurice is gonna promise him. She's gonna be like, "I'm gonna get a tattoo of you on you." He's gonna be like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> that's how she seduces him. <gasps> I haven't really seen him yet in much. I've checked out his kind of his filmography now, but I haven't seen him before in much. So I don't know what to expect. Yeah. But I'm I'm trying to go in blind. I'm not gonna try to spoil it. I just want to see. What his interpretation is, yeah. and he looks, um, I don't know, I find Metatron to be kind of like very masculine coded because of, you know, frail angel masculinity out there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, especially in light of Baruch and Balthamos, who are so different. 
So I find him to be like kind of masculine coded and like very, very daddy dom coded of the angels, but also like bark way bigger than his bite, it seems. Easily fooled, easily manipulated. So I'm excited. To, oh my God, is Metatron actually a himbo? Maybe no, we've himbo, been reading I thought himbos were positive. Well, I mean, that's what I mean. Are you saying Metatron's not positive? Am I uh, reading this book wrong? Oh my god. Alright, so, so the trailer. <laughs> I hope the show really clears this up for me because it's unclear oh right gosh. now if I shouldn't like Metatron. I am unclear. Uh... Final predictions, Eliana. What are your final predictions for the trailer? Uh, I think I've kind of said It could it. be coming out any moment. It really could. Any actually. moment could right be, now. Yeah, are you are we talking about date? Are we taking bets on like date or time or just like what's it? Oh my gosh. I don't think I it's whenever the Yeah, why not? Is. I'm gonna go Thursday or Friday. When is the panel? They have a they have to make a pre made schedule, right? So whenever the panel is, that's my prediction. I don't know that they're actually having oh. a panel this year. Interesting yes, choice. Not everybody goes. Interesting choice. Well, I mean, I don't know if they got invited. Interesting choice, even more. What a snub. Yeah, I'm not sure that there is a panel. There isn't a lot of news online. I'm not seeing it. Uh, they definitely were there for 2020, sorry, 2021, 2019, I believe. So I'm hoping we do, I'm hoping we do have a panel. They did the virtual, the 2020, that's what they did, too. Mm. I don't know. But that said, since I can't find if they have a panel on what day, because I'm not going like a fool this year, I got money on Friday morning, Friday afternoon, or Thursday. Thursday or Friday. And I don't know. I'm hoping Friday. I don't think it'll be a Saturday, though. It might be Thursday or Friday. It seems that, uh, I don't know about BBC, but HBO does seem to like dropping trailers on thursdays slash you know on weekdays well and i will say that i think the saturdays and fridays are very big and not that i mean we're big hdm's big yeah right we are big and this is the big time this is season three this is the last one uh for now and the big one but i don't think i think hot d is going to get a lot of focus for hbo and what they're pushing at san diego comic-con yeah, I think a lot of things, uh, th- there's going to be other stuff to push, but I think that's the big one. I mean, Game of Thrones, the cash cow it was, it is what they want. Again. They really do want that. They want the hype again. They want to, you know, feed their families and their yachts off of that. Yeah, but, true, true. But, you know, I, and no, they do. I, and his Dark Materials is good. I love it. Um, I don't think it's as well received as broadly. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'd have to really understand, I guess, how it's being received, you know, also in the UK. Because, again, the books were always way more mm-hmm. popular there than they were here. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And San Diego Comic-Con is very much US-based. Yeah. So there's there's that aspect, too. I wonder if they're going to give free things again. Not that you benefited last time around, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hope. I hope we get a blanket, you know? I mean, I got my Eliana-themed blanket, but I wanted my His Dark Materials-themed blanket. Um, HBO, BBC, our friends at the show, if you're listening. Send us Steven Satchel. You are. Yeah. Please get me one of those HDM... Like, if you're listening, Demons and Dust, if you are listening, Chloe from Girls Gone Canon really desperately wants an HDM blanket. I would buy. Listeners, if you got one of them from the promotion for His Dark Materials Series 1, if you got His Dark Materials blanket and you don't care for it anymore, you know, you're like, you know, I don't really use this. It's taking up space in my blanket closet. I'll buy it from you. I'm not kidding. It's very soft. Very great. Highly recommend. This is my pleading call. It has been three years and I still don't have a blanket. I I do. I have one. It's just it's not the. Blanket. It doesn't have his dark materials. I have benches, not the. Yeah, bench. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I wonder what. I hope they do giveaways again. That was fun. That was exciting. That was fun for me. I, I'm sorry. It was just disappointing for, for you. you. <laughs> but it, hey, you're really breaking my heart. It here. could be fun. I already for did my begging be today on air. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, well, this has been a blast. I am glad we have gotten to catch up because, again, Elia is stuck in this other world. I don't know if she's ever coming back for me. I'm scared. There's no subtle knife to break on through to the other side with, you know, over the hills and far away. So, I don't know. That's it. That's it for His Dark Materials Season 3 trailer predictions. I hope that by the time this comes out, we can look back at this and laugh at some of our predictions. Maybe we'll have to do a, a post-trailer review when it does come out. But let us know your thoughts. You know, leave us some comments. Head over to our Patreon if you want to at patreon.com slash girlsgonecanon, where we post bonus material every month for patrons in the Stranger tier, $5 tier and above. We host Discord events at our private Discord for the $10 tier and above the Thunder tier. Uh, and we have general fun over there, too. So come hang out with us and talk HDM. Get excited for Series 3. Indeed, indeed. I've been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I've been another one of your hosts, Eliana. We'll be back in August to finish up His Dark Materials Amber Spyglass. Thank you for your patience while we work through a little bit of a little bit of technical airwave difficulty. We'll be back soon to get really fucking sad with you. Indeed, indeed. The Tualapi will stop sabotaging. Oh my god, not the Dua Lipa. <laughs> What if they did get Dua Lipa on the show? That'd be cool. At least on the soundtrack. Lauren Belf, I hope. I hope. (laughs) Goodbye.